The Guardians are averaging 12 runs a game in which Bo Naylor starts. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Welcome, everyone, to the Selby is Godcast. I'm TJ. That's Zach. Hey, buddy, did you see the 3,000-year-old sword they found in southern Germany? I did not. 3,000-year-old sword. Still gleaming, I guess. So well preserved. And in other news of prophecies being fulfilled, here's Bo Naylor joining the Guardians in the offense awakening. Correlation? I don't know. You tell me. Was it everything you always imagined? <laughs> and more. <laughs> you liked his batting stance, huh? Yeah, I thought we'd get to that in a little bit. I mean, the the baseball guys are doing anything in their power to prevent him from finally getting a chance to hit, including knocking the lights out in Arizona. Arizona. Somehow, this this team, it just feels like so poetic for this team to be playing a day game and they would be having issues with the lights inside. <laughs> Can't we just go outside and play for a few innings? Like, what's the what's the big deal here? I know it's Arizona. It's hot. Whatever. If this team somehow wins the World Series, which last I checked, they had like a, I feel like it was like 0.8% chance of winning, something like that. There's going to be a lot of chapters. <laughs> I feel like there have been so many <laughs> just random things like that that have happened. Um, and the other thing is like their path to a World Series is just going to be lose the first two games of a series in some sort of heartbreaking fashion and then just score a boatload of runs in the series finale on getaway day and everything is right in the world. Man, you really missed out on a chance to bet on that. Could have made a lot of money on that. Although we're getting to the point where they're just going to pull that off the board. There's, that's just free money in the, the getaway day for the Guardians. They've dropped the first two. There's a God cast to record. Of course, we're gonna not going to allow people to bet on that that's free money for everybody we're not gonna let that can't let that happen it's the weirdest season i mean Juan and rosario got on base a thousand times saturday night and that's the one day jose and josh naylor don't get hits after they'd been scorching hot for a few weeks it's just like that it's that type of season it's so weird and then you see a day like sunday and it's like doesn't it just feel like Okay, this team is what thirty three and thirty eight, but everybody in the world knows that it's in there, right? You see, they they have talent. When certain guys are functioning the way they're supposed to function, the lineup has potential. Like that's why th- it's days like that where I'm like, hey, maybe I wasn't such an idiot when I said oh, I think the lineup will be fine. <laughs> I don't know. Still might be, and an we've idiot. seen glimpses. I know, I know the rotation's going through it right now, and we can get to that. But we've seen evidence that the rotation can can handle it. We've seen plenty of evidence that the bullpen, when they're just not picking a different reliever on a different night to blow a different game, 
The bullpen has a ton of talent and it's got depth. The elements are there. They certainly need help. They need more talent. But you see, I think, some of the ingredients that made this a 92-win team last season and that made people think that wasn't a fluke. So it's just, yeah, I mean, we're almost at the halfway point and they still have not put it together except for like parts of a two-week stretch, I guess. And even that two-week stretch, it felt like they could have even been better than they were. Uh, so you just wonder, like, are they... Every time they have a game like they did Sunday, you think, is this where they put it all together? Is this the start of a run? But then you get a Tristan McKenzie injury. Yeah. And you wonder just how attainable that is. Yeah, it it just feels like so on point for what this season has been. You get one bit of good news, one bit of positivity. The Bonaler news, Mike Zanino has been DFA'd, and so all of the conversation... The months of screaming and pulling your hair out feels like it's finally worth it. You've got Bo Naylor up, and his path toward pretty regular playing time is there. No one's really standing in his way. And yet, it's seven steps back. <laughs> it's McKenzie, not only to the IL, but now you're wondering, is he gone for this year? Is he gone for part of next year? That is... I mean, is that such a massive blow that you can't even allow yourself to have any sort of joy about Bo Naylor finally joining the team. That's just been this entire season. It, it's any bit of joy that you get to experience is just ripped away from you. The, the carpet is pulled out from under you so very quickly. It's a season that has been so very joyless with in many, many different situations. I think we need to have a discussion here. Oh, God. Do we? Who is to blame for Tristan McKenzie's injury? Is this a multiple choice? Do I have? <laughs> I was many... going to say, do you want multiple choice? <laughs> many bubbles a, to fill in? A, Tristan McKenzie. B, Mike Zanino, who caught his most recent start. Okay. <laughs> I know McKenzie told Paul Hoynes that he threw way too many sliders. And he thinks that's what led to the discomfort, the pain. Who was calling those sliders? Mm. If you want to just kick the catcher on his way out the door. Or C. I'm going to go C. Is it yours truly? I think it's you. Is the misel jinx back? Did it actually ever leave? <sighs> this is... Uh very Star Wars, somehow the Meisel Jinx has returned. How dare you try to write a heartwarming story? How dare you try to to show that these people are human and they experience things just like everybody else and you try to write a a Father's Day story that can be enjoyed by everyone on Father's Day. By the way, happy belated Father's Day to you. Thank you. You too. Now stop writing stories about people so that he can actually have some success and stay on the damn field. So the gist of the story was that after every one of his starts, Tristan and his dad share a phone call. And his dad is basically, I mean, he's a resource. He watches every one of Tristan's starts two or three times, different broadcast every time, trying to pick up any little idiosyncrasy because... 
These two have watched baseball together since Tristan was a toddler in their living room. They're very close. They know how each other they think. And there are certain things that I think Tristan just, he can certainly confide in his catchers or coaches, but there are certain things his dad will notice about his mannerisms that no one else would. Well, I don't think they're going to be having that phone call after one of his starts for a little while. And I think I think it opens up so many questions about this team, the rotation, Gavin Williams, Shane Bieber, the trade deadline. You hope it doesn't impact next season. I think we'll have some more information this week. You never want to hear elbow or shoulder. You never want to hear elbow sprain. You never want to hear that after the first round of testing, they're going for more testing when the team returns to Cleveland. Mm, you know what that means. I don't know. It's not worth it's not worth speculating on. But I think either way, no matter what it means, I think it it raises a lot of questions about what this team needs to do. I, I've been saying I think I thought they were already going to be one of the most interesting teams between now and the trade deadline. I'm not sure if this makes them more or less interesting. I guess I guess it could go either way. It's I think the decision-making is... <laughs> I don't envy those people. Because um, there's a lot to sort through, and there are a lot of variables, and this is just another huge wrench into their plans. Well, before we beat everybody over the head with bad news, considering they scored 12 runs and they left on a positive note, I want to... Let's start there, really digging in on the positives. And the positive here is that Bo Naylor is finally up, and there's nothing standing in his way from finally just getting a lot of opportunity to play. Now, is he going to play five days a week? I'm skeptical that that's going to be the plan initially. And I don't think they have to run from Cam Gallagher here. I, he has proven to be a pretty good, I think, resource for the pitchers and has uh, clearly endeared himself to Shane Bieber. And I think a lot of the pitchers on the staff. So you don't have to put everything all on Bo Naylor all at once. You shouldn't. That's not fair to him. You can't expect him to be able to to just be... I mean, hell, even star-level catchers don't take on a workload that is catching five, six times a week all the time. So I, I think there is a, a path here for Naylor to get the majority of the of the playing time. He should. But there are still, I think, instances where you should look for Cam Gallagher to play, David Fry, continue to give him a a few at-bats here and there, even if it's just against left-handed pitching. The most important thing, though, Zach, is that there's now no excuse for Bo Naylor to not be playing most of the time. And And I'm pleased about that because he needs to not only possibly help the team, but also get through the inevitable growing pains that are going to be happening along the way. Yeah, I think that, to me, was part of the issue. Whether you think you wanted to give Zanino more of an opportunity to make something out of the contract you invested in him, whether you thought that Bo Naylor could benefit from being in AAA for whatever reason, the, the I think the main point here is the sooner you get him up, the sooner he goes through that stuff because... Whether it's this year, or next year, like you're, you're, 
intentions are the postseason. So the sooner you get him up, and I, I know you don't want to rush a catcher. And You know, one thing I thought of, it's not just them. Teams don't like completely remaking their catcher position midseason. It's a lot to learn. There is risk involved. And I think the perfect example is Wilson Contreras last year. There were already questions about his defense, his his rapport with pitchers. Like, the Guardians checked in on him and said, no, thank you. And everybody did. He wasn't traded. And he was an impending free agent on a team going nowhere. And a really good hitter. So, I think that sort of, that opened my eyes, I know. Because he seemed like a perfect fit for a handful of teams. But... It's just a lot to pick up on. The difference here is this is not Bo Naylor saying, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Bo. My brother calls me Noah. This is, hi, nice to see you again. Right? He's caught most or all of these pitchers, whether it was in the minors, in spring training. You know, there are certain guys you can, when you're looking at, doling out this playing time behind the plate. I mean, I think Gallagher and Bieber have a good thing going right now. Well, Bo Naylor has caught Bybee. He's caught Allen. He spent all offseason catching Cal Quantrill. And they he caught him in the WBC. So, like, there are ways to make this as seamless a transition as possible. And is he going to be perfect behind the plate? No, but Mike Zanino was pretty imperfect behind the plate. I think the big thing for Bo, too, is, you know, you're not, I mean, if the guy hits has a 75 WRC+, plus, you're going to be ecstatic based on what you're getting, right? He should have a pretty high baseline because of his play discipline. You know there's some power in there. One thing, you, you sign Zanino thinking, hey, he might hit the buck 70, but he always hits for power. He didn't hit for power. So... I feel like Naylor has some baseline traits that set his floor higher than anything that you've gotten at the catcher position already. And I just think, I think his experience and and his work ethic, I mean, that's, that's the big thing to me is even if you want to nitpick and all the excuses they gave for why he wasn't up, oh, well, he's working on his transfer. How many times have we heard that, by the way? Like... This catcher needs to work on their transfer. Just transfer the ball. And if you need him to work on his transfer, let him work on his transfer with a guy who is a master at working on his transfer in Sandy Alomar. <laughs> what catcher stops and working so, on their transfer, by the way? It's like, right. we're good. I've accomplished everything I need to. We can just shut it down. <laughs> well, when you start catching with your bare hand, then you don't need a transfer. <laughs> and so I, I just, the work ethic, though, I mean, he... The fact that he spent his offseason in Arizona and he wanted to work with Quantrill and he taught himself Spanish. Like, I will not drop that fact because it's not just like he learned how to say fastball and slider in Spanish. Like, he can speak it as fluently as any non-native speaker in that clubhouse. So, it's you see that he's gone above and beyond to make sure he's as prepared as possible for this opportunity. So, it can be difficult. To transition, but you knew you were going to have to make this transition at some point anyway. So do it now and let the kid play and see what you have. Well, we even said it last week. If he comes up here and fails, I will still live with that. 
because I feel like you're accomplishing something within the failure. Mm-hmm. Even if this is the, the least preferred option, but even if the failure is eventually realizing this is not your everyday catcher, you're still one step closer to figuring that out. No matter what happens, you will have accomplished something positive, more so than just letting him be in the minor leagues and never pushing that forward, never getting that last bit of polish that he's going to need that he's not going to get at the AAA level. It's just not going to happen. Now, for younger catchers, this transition is always tough. And more than any other young prospect, it's why my my expectations have always been tempered. But as you said so eloquently in our last show, it's gotten to a point where the catchers have been so bad that you are looking to him to be a savior at that position. And I'll keep saying it, it's not fair to him. But the organization created that situation. He does have the skills to succeed at at this position. He certainly has the arm strength, which, based on uh, very few throws down to second base, ranks him among the best in baseball as far as just velocity on throws down to second base. And on that note, he did a velocity training program to get his arm strength up because it was something like that. It wasn't a natural born. He was throwing 102 miles an hour out of the womb. Um, but once he went through that, I think what's about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, um, they clocked him at a hundred miles an hour on occasion. So, uh, the arm strength is there and he's got a history before this season of throwing out runners at a really good rate. Yeah. Not so much this year. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things that I think a, a catcher can get better at it. Teams have, have proven that catchers can improve in framing. They can improve in blocking. There are certain different uh, drills and ways that they can make a catcher better in those areas, but raw skills, being able to throw, as hard as he can, then you can work on the transfer and get better there. But when you're already having the arm strength, that's a good place to start. And then offensively, because he does have a very good eye at the plate and has demonstrated a ton of patience and the power has been developing, that's not something that's just going away. I think that is going to continue to develop. So he, he's got, he, he, can, he definitely can be a two-way contributor behind the plate. How quickly that happens, I don't know. You don't know. The team doesn't know. But I'm just pleased that we are to the point where that clock can get started and he can he can learn things that you just can't learn at the AAA level. And now you're working every day alongside Sandy Alomar. You are learning from a Cam Gallagher, which has proven to be a good guy to learn from, uh, certainly just in watching the way that he performs and prepares and I think probably just from a veteran standpoint and passing along his knowledge as well. There's nothing negative that can come from him just being up here now. So thank goodness that that finally happened. My my gripe here with Zanino, as I said on Twitter, is not that they made that gamble. I mean, you and I, when they made that signing, we texted about it a few days in advance, and we were both kind of like, okay, I guess he's got a chance to be better than what you've gotten offensively, but we're not doing any backflips about this. And I think that was pretty much our, our thought at the time. We were very meh about it, but... I was willing to give it a chance because we were one year removed from him being a catcher that was an all-star, that was uh, an impactful guy offensively. And so I thought that the chances were still semi-decent that he was just going to be an improvement on what you got. Now, offensively, even as bad as he was, 
he was a semi-improvement over what you had gotten previously from catchers. To me, it was the defense being as bad as it was and how long they stuck with it. The gamble doesn't bother me as much as how long they... It was well past the point that we all realized, is this, this ain't working. You've got to go to the youngster here. So first of all, it was a stark reminder of the drop-off between the prize and the consolation prize. I mean, it was Sean Murphy, and when they didn't get Sean Murphy, they pivoted to Mike Zanino. And you're talking... I think the guy who's been the best catcher in the league so far this year and the guy who's been the worst catcher in the league so far this year. So, uh, yeah, those were the two paths that you were you were standing at the fork in the road. And I know there were different costs to go down one path was going to cost you extra. But, yeah, that didn't work out. Um, I, I, it's tough, like... I still don't think Super 2 was the main thing here because you we you, we could rattle off all the names who they haven't cared about Super 2 with Bybee and Allen and Quan and like Arias and Freeman are going to rack up a year of service time this year and not be everyday players. So it's very weird. Aren't you worried about Zanino that if you that think that, 20... it, Aren't you worried about that if you think the guy is capable of being an MVP level player that this is someone that is going to someday command a 250 300 million dollar payday. Do they think that about Bo Naylor? I mean, I even as as much as I like the kid, I'm not sure that he's really in that territory. So what are we what are we talking about here? No, and that MVP type player you're probably not holding back either because you think he can make a big difference in you winning right away and He's probably the guy that you want to lock up to a long-term deal immediately. So it's weird. Maybe it factored into the thinking. I don't know. I just know I watched Zanino go 0 for 27 with 21 strikeouts. And that told me he's cooked, just like Vramil Reyes seemed cooked a year ago. And the fact that they waited (laughs) over a month after that streak ended and, like, it got better, I guess. There were some singles in there afterward, but the defense never improved. And I just keep coming back to the fact that if that's what's happening at the major league level, and you know at some point Bo Naylor's got to take his lumps, it just made sense to call him up a few weeks before this. But whatever, that's in the past, and I think you look ahead now and I don't know what he's going to do at the plate. You look at his last two years in the minors, double A and triple A, and that profile is exactly what they want, right? There's power in there. It looks like he could hit, in the majors, maybe he could hit 15 home runs. Does that sound about right? Maybe 20? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's a stretch at all. No. I don't know what's up with the stolen base total. He had been good for 15, 20 a year, and then... This year stopped running. And maybe part of that is that's not something like he needs to work on. It's just something you try to be opportunistic about. Sure. And you don't want to get hurt either. Um but it's to me it's the walks and the strikeouts, it's the contact rate. Those are all things that are gonna help him. So maybe he comes up and like this year he he doesn't do a ton offensively, but I really do think moving forward, I mean it's just 
when was the last time this team had a catcher who you who had that baseline even? I mean, like Roberto Perez had that one random season with 24 home runs when the ball was juiced, but he was never a guy who you were, if he's up in a big situation, it's like, well, you know, I don't know if he's going to get a hit, but like he could very well draw a walk. That's never been their catchers since Santana. Yeah, so Jan Gomes briefly. I think it's a, it's a really diverse skill set to have. And when you look at what they were getting a catcher, and you look at the needs of the lineup, it should be a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd certainly think so. Even if it goes poorly, I'm still so much more interested than Zanino, who even if it went well, is he coming back? Is he, like, it's kind of like the Rosario thing right now. Rosario has a few good games, and two years ago, last year, that was fine. He, helping you win and you knew what he was but this year when Rosario was having a great game he's not part of the future and unless he's just going off helping you win a ton of games what are you gaining from this that's why even when Gabby Arias is having his struggles with all the swing and miss I, I'm not running from that I, I kind of want to see more I want to give him an opportunity to prove whether or not that's him or if he is better, or if he's the power can offset what you're getting in the swing and miss. Those are all things that I would much rather see, even if the overall offensive output is similar or, or worse than what you're getting out of Rosario. And it's a similar thing with the catchers. Naylor, if, even if he is not as good, equally as good as Zanino was, I think defensively he's got a chance to be better. You still are accomplishing something. Something is being accomplished even... If you're losing games, you are still accomplishing something. It's not the preferred outcome, but it is, it, it, you know, what we, we talk about have, make, making sure every season is successful from one way, from one standpoint or another. We can talk about mm-hmm. this when it comes to Bieber. You need to make sure that you don't miss an opportunity to take something positive out of a ton of negative. Turn a negative into a, a positive somehow so that it's not a wasted year. And if you don't realize the expectations that this team had entering the year, then still make it worthwhile so that 2024 is not like you still being stuck in the mud. And that means clearing out more guys that aren't going to be here for your future, making sure that the young players that you are going to be counting on are getting the the time now to be better prepared for next year. All of this is is very much on the table now. Now, the Twins making it so that you're still within this division race at two and a half back as we record this on Monday. I mean, that is what it is. And we can talk about whether or not you can still legitimately trade a Bieber when you have the McKenzie news and the, the standings are what they are and you're two and a half games back and you're still semi-contending despite what the record is. That's all fine, but I still think you you need to make sure that even through the struggles and the negativity that you take something positive out of it. And that's what this the rest of this season, as long as Bo Naylor is getting the bulk of the, the catching duties, you are accomplishing back there. That, that's good. Finally, we've cleared that out, taken care of that. Now on to the next thing, shortstop and center field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say they need, you can't 
get to the end of the season not expanding your knowledge of Arius and Freeman, right? I feel like we're feel like we're getting close to knowing kind of what Will Brennan is all about. And I don't know what exactly that means, but if I'm ranking, let's do this game. Who do you believe in in this lineup? Give me your top. Oh, God. Four? Who do I believe in? Long term or right now? Like, what? I don't know. Just... Um, hmm. I don't know. Okay. I guess my point is there's a there's a difference there because I it, long term I still would rank Quan higher than some, but right now maybe I rank Quan a little bit lower as he's figuring this. Sure, out. I, I. So maybe I mean long term because I was going to say Jose and Josh Naylor are at the top, and we can talk about Josh Naylor for a minute if you want. But that guy looks. Oh, we will. Yeah, like what you had dreamed about when you traded for him. <laughs> but and I drafted him in our war draft. Yeah, how's that go? You had a good war draft week, I heard. <laughs> well, guys that were potentially um, going to be a negative are no longer on the team. So, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> My Bo Naylor. Uh, Ramirez and Naylor, Josh Naylor at the top. And then I think right after that, for me, it's Quan Brennan and maybe Jimenez in some order. Yeah, I mean, right now you would rank Brennan ahead of Quan. Yeah, but so so, the question to me is where does he fit long term? Well, and I'm just amazed he hasn't eaten into some of Straw's playing time. And by eating into some of Straw's playing time, I mean he slides over to center and yeah. Arias plays right. Yeah, for sure. Or even Quan, and they they seem to not want to move him off of of left field, but he's good in left field. Can mm-hmm. he just be passable in center? Is that not a thing? That 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 can happen. I I don't know. So maybe you just want to leave Quan as he is because you just feel like you need to leave him settled in left field. Whatever. Go sure. Go play Brennan in center field. There's no reason why at this point you shouldn't with with Freeman and Arias wasting away on the bench, and you still need to continue to give Josh Bell playing time. I know people probably want to run from him, but I I still am committed to playing him. Um, why can't you? Put straw in the start him once, twice a week, come in aggressively in the seventh, eighth inning, use him as a pinch runner. You can get him a lot of playing time as a plus defense center field speed guy. I don't think you have to plant him on the bench and never use him ever again. That's that's false. You can still get value out of him from playing some role on this team, but it shouldn't be starting. You can get away... If this line, if the rest of this lineup, you had seven guys who were amazing, an eighth guy which was passable, and he was your center fielder, Straw was your center fielder hitting ninth, fine. That's not working in this lineup. Well, in that scenario, Mike Hargrove would have Straw hitting second. <laughs> Ooh, let's not revisit that. Okay, so I would go Ramirez one, Naylor two. Oh, I gotta go. Bo Naylor three. No, I'm kidding. Brennan, I think right now would be number three ahead of Jimenez. Especially against righties, yeah. Jimenez and I 
Yeah, against righties, I think, yeah, you would you would certainly rank him up there ahead of Jimenez and even Quan right now. Long term, I still you, like, you know like I still feel like Quan is has a more firm footing on having an everyday spot than Brennan does. Mm-hmm. But I'm not ignoring the fact that he is having his struggles, even though I think some of it might just be the type of hitter he'll always be, one that will fluctuate between good batted ball luck and bad batted ball luck. I really need to see more of Tyler Freeman. Yes, yes. I think he can be in that mix. That's what's that's crazy. Every single time he plays, I'm like, I don't understand why he does. He plays every Sunday. That's it. <laughs> I will, I will listen to that sermon, that homily, more than just Sundays. I will happily take that in if when I occasionally but, get Freeman but the thing on a with Tuesday. Him is that I understand it's Thursday. <laughs> And he's hitting 292 in a small sample, 51 plate appearances, batting average, not everything. But um, it, 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 the tough him. thing for him is he, for him to play, someone on the infield has to sit or DH. These these guys never sit. That's why I mean I remember saying this like two years ago, saying Jimenez and Rosario and Ramirez like they these guys don't get days off, they play every day. So when you have this backlog of middle infielders how are you going to mix them in that's been part of the issue but that's also why okay if it's tough to get freeman in at least get arias in in right field and you can play brendan in center it's not gonna be the end of the world this also comes back to rosario having a good game having multiple good games and me still feeling like, okay, but I'm not accomplishing anything by him, by this mm-hmm. happening. I don't feel any better about Rosario after a three, four hit game than I did the day before because he's not my shortstop in 2024. He's just not. And it's, it's maybe more frustrating when he has the good games because he's doing enough to not quite lose that spot in the eyes of the front office and the manager and the team and the organization. He, so what, every time he has a, a great game and, and contributes a multi-hit effort, you're, you're like, okay, well, if it helped you win, fine. But long-term, how does that help me get Freeman and Arias into the lineup? Because that's what I ultimately want. I want, I want both of those guys to be getting a lot of playing time. And I have more questions as we did entering the season about Arias as a hitter than I certainly have about Freeman. I think Freeman if he can succeed just playing once or twice every single week. Like imagine if this guy got an opportunity to just settle into a lineup That's spot. That's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> how how do you I just how do you watch him and not think like, hmm, how, right? How do you how do you stop yourself from writing his name into the lineup card if you want to win games and if you want offense? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? That's it's entirely even just just sit Rosario against two righties a week, and then another day give Ramirez a day off his feet. Boom. Yeah, just created three games a week for Freeman. We already said the way you can get Arias playing time is to cut into Straw's playing time. Yeah, and then you're you're doing multiple things. Number one, I I think you're actually putting yourself in a better position to win. And number two, you're learning about the guys 
who are going to actually be here. And I wouldn't feel this way if it was a team that the window was basically just this year or this year and next year. But these are guys like it is possible is it, 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 like who has a better chance of being the starting shortstop in 2026 Freeman or Rosario, right? <laughs> so right. It, it's it makes more sense when it could possibly have long-term ramifications to try to learn now yeah otherwise you might get shit production from your shortstop all season and then get to spring training and be like uh hey demarlo do you know anything about these three guys rokio aries and freeman because we didn't really learn much last We're year gonna be t- think about that we're gonna be doing this magnified by one more next year realistically i know rokio has already been up but you're going to be doing this more realistically next year with another guy in the mix that is going to be kicking the door down to playing time and then it'll be juan brito at triple a hitting <laughs> yes. 390 with a 600 on base percentage i mean is when it comes to freeman and arias i said this like 20 shows ago how do you know they're not going to be the next urshela and uh Aguilar and Yandy Diaz, all guys, and we can just keep going down the list. Harold Ramirez, they, did they Owen succeed? Miller. Owen Miller, yeah, I guess to a lesser extent, but your boy, all guys that went elsewhere and did somebody whisper something in their ear that helped unlock something, or did they just the teams were patient with them, or more? Is that how it happens? More than that. <laughs> Why don't you try to hit the ball in the air, Yandy? Oh, <laughs> well, you know how. <laughs> Jim Tomey always said Charlie Manuel taught him yeah. to like open his stance, and it got his hips yes. rotating better. Oh, hey, hey, Did Charlie I'm, Manuel whisper that? I'm not saying things like that don't happen. I think they do, but sometimes it's the right thing coming from the right person in the right situation. How many guys just get a chance to play, not even because the team believes in them, but because they had no other option? Like, Did the Rays see something in Harold Ramirez, and they're like, Damn, that guy is our starting wherever we need him to play. Right field, first base. Or do the Rays just had some injuries and it's like, okay, well, this guy's okay. Let's plug him in. And then he took off. It's kind of similar to what happened when he was here, when Ramirez was in Cleveland and he had some a good stretch. Mm-hmm. We were wondering, is this a guy that's a, a long-term piece for this team? I don't want to be in a situation where we're doing that with Arias and Freeman a couple of years from now. I saw our buddy Gage fighting the fight against people that were saying Arias wasn't a good defender based on outs above average. How can you say that about a guy that's playing first base one night, right field the next night, shortstop one day, third base the next day? I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that, that kid settle into one spot before I make any sort of determination about the sort of major league defender he is. I, I'll tell you, he's got the skills to be a great one at shortstop for sure, and he certainly has the arm to succeed at multiple positions. How is that not also true of his offense? I think he does have a ton of swing and miss. The minor league numbers would suggest that he has that. When he's swinging through every fastball, you're going, why Why is he swinging through fastballs? Can't we also, he might have an issue there, but can't I know a little bit more by actually just letting him play? Isn't, isn't the same thing that applies to him being playing 17 different spots? Doesn't that also apply to a guy that needs to just settle into playing? semi-regularly before I know what sort of player that he is? This is the problem with trying to rebuild on the fly, trying to contend and develop simultaneously. You have to, you can't just say, okay, well, Arius looked, he had that stretch, was it May? The month of May? He was showing more 
patience at the plate. His walk rate was like 12% and cut down on strikeouts a little bit and flashed that power. I mean, how about that home run in Baltimore? And you, you if you're going to be excited about the positive developments, the, the signs of improvement, you're going to have to be patient through the opposite of that. Because that happens with young players. Not well, you know, we're saying like, oh, we want to see more of Tyler Freeman. You may put him in the lineup every day for a week and he might have two hits. Like that just happens. It's the same thing with Bo Naylor. Like he's still searching for his first hit. Didn't even get it off a position player. So it's it happens. You have to take the good with the bad with young players, and you have to give them an extended look to really learn about them and know what they can do. And the weird thing about this. This organization is, they always say, we have to be certain about players. They said that a lot about Jake Bowers when they kept giving him opportunities and then finally cut ties with him. And they're right. Like, they can't miss. But it's really hard to do that when you're also trying to win. And I don't think that they've abided by that with their own guys. That's It's so strange. Like, they just, they've kind of gotten away from that. And and I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I know everyone is, every individual is a different case, but it's, boy, like, if you're just thinking, well, next year Rosario won't be here, there'll be more opportunities. There won't be. You've got more guys in the pipeline coming who are like, what's Rokio supposed to do? Just play a third season in AAA? I mean, I... I don't really know. I get asked that question all the time, like in a mailbag. People will ask, can you, you know, we hear all about these these shortstop prospects. Can you tell us, like, who will be the long-term starter, who's more of a utility guy, who will be traded? No, and neither can they. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I, I don't really know what the move is, and I think, what complicates things and what sort of puts pressure on everybody in this situation is that for two years, you've acknowledged that you need to consolidate some prospect talent. And it's really hard to do that when, I mean, who do like, it, it's clear right now. Like if you had to guess, like who do you think they value highest in that Arias Freeman Rokio group? Like, it's hard to say. I mean, are you asking me to take take a guess or? Yeah, I'm asking you, but I, I also think that they've sort of. They certainly haven't acted like they really like one better than the others. Right. If if they were just it seems like they don't they're not crazy about any of them. They're just falling all over themselves in love. Then they would be scrambling to look for any opportunity to get them to the major leagues like they did with Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee. They might be doing soon with Gavin Williams. I don't know. Yeah. I And to answer your question, I still would put Rokio probably tops. And I have to put Arya second because why is Freeman still just planted on the bench despite the fact that he has contributed in pretty much any spot that they've put him in? You want to tell me that, well, his the type of hitter he is and the type of swing that he has he can succeed only playing a couple of times a week. Well, good, but what if you just let him play every day? Can he just succeed doing that too? <laughs> like, why, why does it have to be he only plays this certain role 
what if he's just better than the guy that you're getting all the opportunities to right now? And see, the point with like Freeman and, and anybody that points to an, a potential negative that exists with Arias and his offense, they might be right. I'm not saying that that the the concerns about yeah. his swinging miss, swing and miss, for instance, with Arias, that might be uh, too much of a detrimental thing to stand in the way of him actually being an everyday player. Like he can he can contribute, he can be a a major leaguer, but he's not an everyday player because he has this one critical issue. That might be true, but I can't say that for sure until I actually give him 450 plate appearances to know. And even that, that's that's ridiculous. You can't tell everything you need to know about a player, as is the case with every young player we just listed here, and sometimes even not just younger players, but guys that are getting a little bit older that have gotten better as their career has has unfolded and they've learned more about themselves and the league and what they need to do to succeed. I don't know. Arya seems like a talented player. Freeman seems like a talented player. Are they everyday mm-hmm. players? Are they just part-time players? I don't know that yet. But my my goodness, I I need more of a sample size to know for sure. It's the skill set. It it's because Rosario was a top five prospect in baseball. So it, it is a bit of a a warning that, you know, most of the time these guys don't pan out in the ideal fashion you have built up in your head before you've seen them play an extended amount. But I just look at Freeman's contact ability and the hit tool, and I, I understand there are questions about his his power. And we've seen guys with that hit tool and with no power come up like Nick Madrigal and not have the success that maybe you had thought because pitchers figure out ways. I mean, look at Straw. Like Straw, because they know Straw's not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, you can pitch him a certain way that makes him far less effective, right? Quan is going through that right Kwan. now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there are questions, but... I need to see that in action and then see how he makes those adjustments. Exactly. I mean, Quan, they did not plan for him to spend 180 days in the majors last season. The plan was he'd be on the roster at the outset and then Naylor was coming back from his injury and they'd send him down. And then Quan started like 13 for 18 with zero swings and misses. And it was like, well, we can't really send him down right now. And he stuck. And he weathered a storm in May, and he made adjustments, and it was an incredible rookie season. I think at some point you have to just have to give these guys plenty of time. And how many times have we seen two trades made midseason in a season where it's not going well? You call up a guy to play mostly every day in August and September, and he looks pretty good. And then you're excited, and you pencil that guy in for the next season. And he just doesn't have it. I feel like we've seen that a thousand times Oscar in the last 20 years <clears throat> in Cleveland. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. But even, I'm thinking back like... Kareem Garcia. <laughs> I mean, even like Jose Ramirez early in his career, there was one, I think he was like much better in 2014, maybe after the trade deadline. Was that when they traded as Drupal Cabrera, I believe? And he took over. 
and then just stunk at the outset of 2015. And, and like there are there are tons of examples of this. Like Abel Monte came up and mm-hmm. looked really good for a while. So it's just you you can't sell yourself on just two months, and that's why I'm not I'm not necessarily advocating just like stick Freeman and Arias in there every day and let them go, and you'll get your definitive answer because that's not how it works. But I think these guys need regular playing time so that. Let the league adjust to them so that they yes. can prove if they can adjust back or not. It's not. A, it's not only about. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take into next year to do that. It's not just about making a determination. It's also allowing them the chance to get better and grow and improve and see the changes and for them to make their own changes. It. It's about their own personal development. So it goes beyond just making a a a, a call on whether or not these guys are part of your future or not, it's allowing them the chance to get better so that they don't go elsewhere and finally realize their full potential somewhere else because it took them three years and they finally know what sort of player they are, what they have to be to succeed, how how their, their, uh, their between-day routines have to be to be at their, their peak physical self. All these things you just do not learn at the age of 22, 23, 24. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer so yeah that's you got to have some degree of patience certainly with these guys but you also just have to give them the chance to to improve and get better and that comes through playing time and I think it's part of the reason why this team is so interesting to me right now because I I don't know there's a chance that this this roster looks very different in six weeks and they still could be where they are which is in contention for a very weak division title. But a playoff spot, nonetheless, is on the line. And I'll be interested to learn more about their thought process and how they value a season like this, where you do need answers on guys, and you do need to trade some people. And you've got a big question with your 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 ace, and you, at the same time, it's like, this is a good season to maybe get a little more development out of the way and learn about some of these young guys just because you don't look like a World Series contender. But at the same time, you have, like, what's crazy is of all the teams not in first place leading their divisions, like, this team has as good of a chance at landing a playoff spot as any other. Maybe even better because their competition for that top spot in the AL Central is not very good. So it's a weird spot. And we should talk McKenzie in depth later this week when we have more clarity on his injury because I think the tangents that leads to with Shane Bieber, Gavin Williams, etc. There's going to be some really difficult decisions to make. And I don't know. This is a, this is a pretty critical summer for Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff, I think. <laughs> when isn't that true? That's a, I'll always no, laugh. But like I think somebody's draft in the NFL. This is the biggest draft they've had in since last year. It's every effing year. <laughs> what what year is that? No, a big but year? I just mean <laughs> God, that's not what I mean. I know, you know. I'm it, screwing I'm with I'm you, dude. These are there are several different decisions to make that are all sort of intertwined, and you know they always it's always short term and long term with them. And trying to balance that right now is really tricky because of the the stupid division. 
and with Shane Bieber's expiration date. Yeah, I mean, that's going to take <laughs> another full show. So maybe coming up later this week, patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast, where we can spend more time addressing what the McKenzie injury and how long that is going to take him off the map impacts a Bieber trade, whether that makes it more likely or less likely. All very interesting conversations that we'll get into a little bit more full. We won't actually speculate on the McKenzie injury itself, but we can look at what they're going to do in the short term. How do they fill that spot? Who gets the opportunities? Where's Cal Quantrill at? Is he nearing a return anytime soon? Is he? Are we talking about him taking that spot in a few weeks? Are they going to turn to some of these younger guys? Is it going to be Gattis time again? Is Curry finally going to get a chance to start a game? I don't think it's going to be Daniel Norris anytime soon, based on what he was throwing up there. It's a lot of questions. It's a lot going on. Give me the answers. Tell me what's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, Quantrill needs some rehab time. So, like, he's not going to pitch this week for for the Guardians. I don't know. I think it's you're either going back to Gaddis until Quantrill's ready or you're turning the reins over to Gavin Williams for a little bit. I think another factor in this is at some point you're going to have to start limiting Bybee and Allen's innings too. So mm-hmm. is the way to do that to give them a breather in Columbus? Do they need a phantom shoulder fatigue IL stint? When do you when do you do those things? I don't know. This is they're the most interesting team in the league. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're the best. Just the most interesting. Uh, is Cody Morris? When is he coming back? He, that doesn't seem like it's a long term thing. Oh, they still have Can- James Karen. Shout out to Tukey. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Grandpa Simpson. Entering the bar and spinning around, heading back out. You want you want Tucson back? You want you want more of that? If he could ever find his command, he's got great stuff. People say the same thing about this show. If they could ever just focus, going to say, "Who among us?" <laughs> focus on the outline that they had in their minds when they started the show, as opposed to where the show took them. They would finally take off, and they'd be a top ten show. Instead, we're just stuck here with you guys. No, we love it. Hey, at least now we have our topic for the Patriot show. Who was you know, uh, yeah. the one we were going to talk about today? <laughs> Who was the winner of the random jerseys? Yeah, thanks for everyone who showed up. That was fun. Um, Leon Poe jersey. Nice. From the Cavs, 2010-2011. Average four points a game.